We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. the Tuesday, November 5th edition of the RotoWire NFL Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me with JB Fantasy Sports, and joining alongside me is Jake Letarski. As always, you can follow him at Roto Jake. Week 9 is now in the books, and with the heaviest uh, bi-week schedule of the year, this is going to be a pretty crucial, I think, fantasy football podcast. What do you say, Jake? Yeah, I mean, we've had more exciting waiver wire periods before. We've had more high price waiver wire periods before. But we're going to try to take a little bit of a deeper dive this week because we've got six teams on by. And it's not just like six, eh, you know, it's not like we're doing Jets, Jags, or, or, you know, like those kinds of teams on by. Well, I guess the Jags are on by. Broncos, Texans, Jags, Pats, Eagles, Redskins. Uh, there's a lot of fantasy assets in there. So you're going to have to do some plug and play. Um, you're going to have to make some real tough roster cuts, so hopefully we can get you some names that might at least find the end zone or might provide a little bit of upside rest of season for you um, as we start to make that march towards the playoffs. And I think there's a lot of depth for this free agent period as well, too. We've had some critical injuries, Deshaun, or Sean Jackson, Deshaun Jackson uh, T.Y. Hilton, Mark Walden gets suspended, not that you're really running out there to get the Dolphins 
what third string, second string running back on your field. Hey, but you might have been. Again, this is this is by week ten. We got a lot of teams out there right now, so a few crucial names to go over and at the quarterback position as well. Before we dive into the free agent period, though, I think it's worth recapping a little bit of what occurred during the Monday night contest between the Cowboys and Giants. Of course, we had uh, Black Cat Gate, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. it's the- pretty much a tale of two games, right? It's right. <laughs> what happened before the Black Cat came on the field? What happened after the Black Cat came on the field? Um, after the Cat, Dallas outscored the uh, the Giants thirty four to nine so uh and they were losing three to nine before that so really a tale of two halves uh i don't know if you're superstitious or if you're just a little stitious uh michael scott but uh (laughs) it's weird it it, it was definitely a strange game to me um mostly the key contributors were there saquon barkley kind of laid an egg a little bit zeke got you his yards dak prescott kind of got he threw a pick on his first pass of the game but then uh you know rebounded real nice from there throwing touchdowns to amari cooper blake jarwin who loves who loves playing against the Giants for whatever reason, and Michael Gallup finally starting to get back on track a little bit. He's a talent that I do that that I do like, and I think highly of him. And uh, you know, getting healthy and overcoming some drop issues are going to be big for him to stay in Dallas and, and and continue to be a productive asset from then and beyond. Typical Daniel Jones game, three turnovers rough i mean any other big takeaways from this one yeah it's interesting so you talked about saquon barkley laying the egg and frankly he did i, I was pretty keyed mm-hmm. in on this game because i had a a matchup with our co tim Schuler in stake league and mm-hmm. of course we had the two lowest scores and i'm well, i think one in seven right now so it really makes absolutely no difference whether i do well in stake league or not uh because i'm already just kind of screwed I'm, I'm buying the stake as is but i was kind of shooting for the win he had evan ingram and saquon barkley i had michael gallup in a seven point lead at one point in the contest, I felt pretty secure. Michael Gallup had just scored the touchdown. It was a really athletic play. I mean, Dak Prescott, A, had to make a great throw to the sideline, but Gallup had to jump over a defender and then kind of catapult into the end zone. And that, you know, two catches for 33 yards, that was still a very athletic play. And it certainly seems like Gallup is coming into his own after the injury earlier this season. Saquon Barkley had a 56-yard or something like that, or 62-yard screen pass to him late in the third quarter, which got the Giants down. Right. And that was about the closest they got to uh, <laughs> making the score competitive, at least through the second half against the Cowboys. And it, it was 37-18, but make no mistake, this wasn't a blowout. I thought that it was pretty competitive throughout. Mm-hmm. That was the big difference maker. And then Evan Ingram had a catch during junk time production at the end, which put shoe over by 0.22 oh, points great. yeah I that mean, was it that's almost as bad of a beat as uh you know sitting on the under at the end of this game and then seeing that fumble return push that game right over the total here and uh and upset a lot of people who had probably even turned the game off at that point thinking the clock was just going to be ran out yeah. so uh yeah i mean outside of the black cat and the weird gambling juju i mean it all makes sense <laughs> you had mentioned who has more turnovers uh the rest of the season of course daniel jones and his fumbleitis going on and then josh allen i think that's probably a good comparison and you know maybe we'd have to talk to Liss, the resident giants fan to feel or if to to ask him how he feels about comparison comparing daniel jones to josh allen <laughs> I, you know i think it probably ends up being daniel jones the rest of the way I have to look at their numbers just to make sure that mm-hmm. it's close. Uh, yeah. Josh Allen yeah. has seven picks and three fumbles, although he has 10 total this year. He's only mm-hmm. lost three, whereas Daniel Jones uh, has eight interceptions and eight lost fumbles. Obviously, you'd imagine Daniel Jones wins that the rest of the way, but again, mm-hmm. it's Josh Allen's fumbled plenty. He just hasn't lost that many. And yeah. I think the money line's like minus 150 on the rookie, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. So I don't know. I just thought that was a fun over under or maybe for some banter there, but, uh, yeah, both are barely going to have um, – well, at least both have more touchdowns than interceptions, and both have exactly uh, three more touchdowns than they do interceptions. So, yeah, we're looking at about similar players, similar ranking here the way this goes. But, I mean, 
Daniel Jones history, doesn't have the Josh Allen arm. History has shown that the fumbles tends to be a fluky stat. Like it's not something that gets repeated throughout the year. Maybe that's more of defenses recovering fumbles than it is a player specifically losing them. But again, ten fumbles for Josh Allen and only three lost. Whereas Daniel Jones has ten fumbles lost or ten fumbles and eight lost. That's mm-hmm. that's a pretty fluky stat in my opinion. And I think for a guy that was definitely bashing Daniel Jones and bashing the Giants for drafting as high as they did this year, I'm not necessarily eating crow. But I I think you have to be a little bit. Yeah. Um, Positive, at least oh, yeah. in his performance. Oh yeah, I mean the Giants are two and seven. They're one and four at home here, and uh, I don't necessarily think that's any different than they would have been with Eli. And, and I'll still say that they made the right move. Uh, maybe the the book's still out on the draft pick itself as far as being the right move, but switching to the rookie now is absolutely the well. Right the move. one draft pick that no one's talking about because of Daniel Jones is DeAndre Baker, who was picked on mercilessly by the Cowboys' uh, passing attack, and frankly has been all season long. Like he was a late end first round pick for the Giants, and he's been dreadful. Just completely dreadful and every single team seems to be going at him to the point where the Giants defense as a whole probably isn't as bad but because they have that just egregious egregious weak link in Baker that I think you can feel comfortable targeting their uh, secondary every single week if you're on the fancy end of their defense yeah I mean when you look at a cornerback and having them have high tackle totals that's generally not, it's a, not a good, good thing. thing not a very good thing so <laughs> But uh, but Baker's a pretty decent IDP, right? He's getting seven tackles, you know, in a lot of these games here as a cornerback. So uh, you never know. But yeah, from a real life standpoint, it's not pretty. We'll get to the Jets who play the Giants and what's going to amount to one of the worst stink bulls that we've seen in New York in quite some time. Later, when we talk about the quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. But first, I want to get a word from our sponsors in at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. The NFL season, of course, is full swing, and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports is there with you. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with a little bit of cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today and get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Again, we talked about the 10 or the week 10 bye weeks, Broncos, Texans, Jaguars, Pats, Eagles, Redskins, six teams on by. Obviously, you're not really worried about the Redskins and maybe the Broncos that are out there. Although Cortland Sutton are probably crying. But this is this is this is a deeper set of weeks uh, or bye weeks to come. And frankly, if you are in NFFC leagues or deeper contests where free agent pickups end prior to the the playoffs, so week 13 in the NFFC leagues, this is a really critical time to not only get those bye weeks figured out, but provide depth for your team the rest of the way. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a case where. I think a lot of the quarterbacks that you took to begin with are going to be, uh, I mean, you're Deshaun Watson, obviously, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, those guys are on by. Um, I don't know, when it gets to the back half of the season like this, I tend to try to stick, pick one quarterback and stick to it so I can keep the rest of my roster flexible. But this will probably be one of the last weeks where you can, you, you'll comfortably use that second quarterback if you have an established guy like, say, a Deshaun Watson. And, uh, you know, I was looking at streamers. The options aren't necessarily super great this week. Um, you know, I was kind of back and forth between who to rank number one between Ryan Tannehill and uh, Derek Carr. But after watching the the, uh, the Chargers passing attack here, um, just kind of crush Aaron Rodgers with only four pass rushers last week, um, I 
bumped Carr down to number two, and I think it's Tannehill against the Chiefs in hopes of a shootout game there a little bit. But uh, I put Daniel Jones. You know I can't quit Mitch Trubisky against the Lions. They've been pretty good against opposing quarterbacks. And then last on my list of viable, you know, under 40 50% on streaming options, I threw Sam Darnold on there um, against the Giants because, like you mentioned, you know, the young, the young secondary and uh, what Dak Prescott was able to do to them. Obviously way different players, but there's some receiving weapons on that Jets scheme team where if Tarnold stops seeing ghosts ever uh could have some decent fantasy days i'm not quite ready to give up on his career entirely but uh i don't know out of that list is is there anybody i forgot and do i have the order right yeah i don't know about forgetting i think those top five at least for streamer options this week and you're mm-hmm. probably going to have to dip down to that basket if you have the deshaun watson's or tom brady's because you weren't going after others but mm-hmm. i don't know if the order is correct and and it's interesting you bring up the chargers decimating our favorite packers uh not only did they cost me money but that was also my survivor pick i felt supremely good in the packers traveling to carson field oh, with the, the that's the so rough field. for a survivor pick yeah and i mean i didn't have the bills and i didn't have the 49ers because i'd mm-hmm. used them earlier so there was just not a lot of great mm-hmm. options but i did not anticipate that game script whatsoever and i had to listen to that game mm-hmm. throughout the second half in the car ride and it was one of those pull your hair kind of out contests if you were a packers fan yeah. I don't think the Raiders will be as caught off guard with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa as the Packers were. And I think we learned, at least after the fact or midway through the game, mm-hmm. that traveling and maybe what the Packers did at, uh, prior to getting to uh, Los Angeles might have had an impact in how they oh, yeah. were prepared for that yeah, contest. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Oakland is not going to have that issue. And I feel pretty good that Derek Carr, with how quickly he's getting the ball out of his hands, and frankly, how great John Gruden is running the offense, that they're going to be able to take advantage of a mismatched secondary, unlike what we saw the Packers do this week. So I'd rather have Carr number one. And Tannehill is inconsistent, in my opinion, to the fact where I don't even know if I want to have him number two. I think Daniel Jones against the Jets, who are as miserable of a franchise as really there is right now, given how badly they lost, and they, they lost badly to the Dolphins this week. I think Daniel Jones is number two, and I'd have Sam Darnold number three against the secondary of the Giants. That's mm-hmm. also equally bad, and I think they have the weapons, although if Le'Veon Bell, and we'll get to his backups uh, in a little bit, if Le'Veon Bell is out this week, he had an MRI earlier, that might be a conversation where you'd lower them a little bit, just given on the skill mm-hmm. level the receivers have. Yeah, fair enough. The reason I made the flip from Tannehill over cards, it's it's purely a reason to match up for me. Uh, the Chargers rank six in terms of least fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks, whereas the Chiefs are 22. So, you know, you got a top 10 defense or a bottom 10 defense. And uh, yeah, you're right. Carr's been more consistent without a doubt since Carr's bye week he's thrown seven touchdowns and only one interception against the Packers Texans and Lions of course you know pretty decent matchups in there uh Tannehill he had a rough game against the Panthers there's no real way to put that lightly you know he followed up his three touchdowns zero interception game against Tampa Bay with a one touchdown two interception game uh at least he had 331 yards out of it but uh I think those are the two guys you're going to look for for your streaming and after that we're probably just shooting darts yeah, there's a few two QB two QB options that we could discuss as well. Of course, Jacoby Brissett, really the backup for the Colts because Andrew Luck uh, mm-hmm. retired right before the start of the season, is facing potentially a multi-week absence after spraining his MCL. Brian Hoyer enters the enters the conversation as now the starting quarterback, and I'm actually a little bit intrigued by him. And unlike the Brandon Allens of the world or Ryan Finley, who again is going to be taking over as the starting quarterback for the Bengals following the Bengals bye week here over Andy Dalton. I think Hoyer has a little bit more promise. We've seen what he's done on the field, and I think as a veteran option, he's a little bit like a Ryan Fitzpatrick light. And I know that's that's really yeah. disgusting thing to talk about, but 
it, Fitzpatrick's doing okay, and he'll get you fantasy right. numbers. I think Hoyer has the opportunity to do the same. You mean Hoyer is like a one-week option, right, You know, for a two-quarterback league with bye weeks? Well, who do the Colts have after this week? Of course, they play the Dolphins. That's a great Jakes, matchup for Texans, them. Jakes, Texans, Titans, Bucks, Saints, the, the, Panthers. So if, he plays the, if he's starting as a quarterback for the Texans, I don't mind having to stream him either. Maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be a different situation, but at least two of these three weeks, mm-hmm. I could feel comfortable using if I had to. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much out on Hoyer. Uh, pretty much every name that I'm seeing on this list is someone that I'd rather roster. Um, you know, not only is it is it Brian Hoyer here, you know, the 34-year-old journeyman who's been around forever uh, that, you know, through that, I think he was a, he threw a pick, pick six once he had entered the game, too. So, you know, came, yeah, came off well, pretty okay, rusty. Yeah, it was returned 98 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> like, it wasn't okay. like he threw a slant and it got taken yeah, away. Fair enough. But also, don't keep in mind that, you know, T.Y. Hilton's out. You know, he's your best offensive player, I think, you know, unless you sneak Marlon Mack into that mix. But either way, they're going to be able to key up on the run to make Hoyer make throws, and I just don't, I don't think he can. Okay, but Matt Schaub threw for almost 300 yards against the Seahawks and he's 38 years old hadn't played in four years I think and and Liss has mm-hmm. been writing about this quite a bit in his articles and as much as it's tough to agree with Liss sometimes because he's very yeah. excited about that it is easier to play quarterback than I think at any point in the last 20 years right mm-hmm. now like offenses make yeah. it easier and the Colts offensive line more, is so you know? darn good too and it's not like you're worried about the Dolphins secondary like it, mm-hmm. it's it's gross for me to say but I would rather start Brian Hoyer than Mitchell Trubisky who is among your top five options and I would dare say he's probably a top 20 option as well when they play the Texans two weeks from now. Yeah, I put Kyle Allen ahead of both of those guys, I think, you know, against the Packers, True. even though it's a road game. Unless we run into inclement weather, uh, I, not that I think Kyle Allen's suddenly going to sling it out against the Packers, but he's going to throw enough screen passes to Christian McCaffrey to have a better ceiling. He probably should have been in that top five I put ahead of, uh, yeah, Allen, probably and, somewhere in between Jones and Trubisky, maybe in between Carr and Jones. And we saw Matt Moore take advantage of the Packers secondary two weeks ago, mm-hmm. And that was entirely based on the speed the Chiefs had on the field. Well, the Panthers also have that in DJ Moore uh, and Curtis Samuel as well. Now, maybe they don't have it like four deep, which mm-hmm. felt like the Chiefs do. But that's enough that I, if the game plan for the Chiefs was don't let you beat over deep and just give everything up front – the same process should be applied to the Panthers as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, kind of going down the list, if we really want to get, uh, if we really want to look ahead and, and bank for a couple weeks, you know, I still think that Nick Foles has a chance to get that job I'm back. Now, from, I'm, from, I'm leaning towards from, you as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny how one week can change it, things. Yeah. You know, Minshew has one bad game against a matchup that's supposed to be good. I started Minshew over ba- Baker Mayfield in a league. Um, Again, it was in not London, making the playoffs though. In London, in things are just always weird. That's it. That's but the they're time. the London Jaguars. They play always <laughs> play right. great. Yeah. I, <laughs> Granted, it hasn't been Gardner Minshew, but you know, I mean, think about this. You paid I agree. Nick Foles is guaranteed, you know, fifty million dollars, what twenty five over the next twenty five a year over the next two years, something in that ballpark. And then you got a rookie that you meant to have him learn under Foles, you know, for a while anyway. So why don't we just kind of shift back to that plan now that Minshew's coming back to Earth? It's not the greatest from the marketing from a marketing standpoint, but. Uh, well, financially, it makes sense for Minshew to also be the starting quarterback for Jacksonville. Again, they could trade Nick Foles to the Bears or somebody like that who are really looking for him, or the Bengals. Actually, Nick Foles would be a great Bear. I don't know if that season's already over for them or not. But I mm-hmm. think Chicago's done. And, yeah. and, of, course, and of course, you can't, trade you can't trade, right. Yeah. But I'm saying even in the offseason, especially the Bears who are 3-6 and six right now, but let's say they get closer to 8-8 eight and eight or like that kind of – and they're out of the running for a quarterback at a high pick – 
you already traded a bunch of picks for Mitchell Trubisky and that hasn't worked out. Maybe you go for Nick Foles and it's a second or third instead of multiple mm-hmm. picks and the depth that gets taken away from Chicago. Anyway, th- I mean, this is a conversation down the line. I'm yep. still not ruling out that Gardner Minshew is the starting quarterback for the rest of the season for Jacksonville, but I will admit mm-hmm. that that was a very difficult performance as a guy that's been on Minshew for the rest of the year to really, like the mm-hmm. most valuable asset in the NFL is a quarterback on a rookie deal that wasn't taken in the first round. And that still remains true. So especially sixth round pick like Minshew, mm-hmm. it makes sense from a financial perspective. Forget the marketing. Yeah, and, I mean, maybe but, something gets done in future years, but if the Jags fancy themselves playoff contenders, and they should. why not turn to the guy who has recently won a Super Bowl, right. for example, has that playoff experience, and, Again. And, and let Minshew continue on the plan you originally had for him. You know, if you want to make a switch next year, if Minshew comes in and slings it out in the preseason, go for it. But uh, but for now, I'm pretty sure we're going to see Nick Foles starting at multiple games at quarterback at some point the rest of this year. So he there's fits still, in this two QB league discussion. There's still opportunity for uh, like the fifth or sixth spot, really the sixth spot in the AFC with the Bills kind of locking down that fifth spot angle. And the AFC South is a division that's still up for grabs, although the Texans are running away with it a little bit. Certainly helps with this latest outcome. And the Colts missing now their second string quarterback, top wide receiver. They've had injuries all season long. Jacksonville is not out of it by any means, so I understand where Foles could come into play. Mm-hmm. Let's go over to the running backs, though. We spent enough time on some quarterbacks that you're probably not going to be having to hopefully play for your fantasy season. Uh, I, you know, we talked talked about Darius guys it's probably worth saying again I don't know if he's playing this week or if we're for certain that is he's coming back soon I mean this is one of the last he, he needs to be mentioned on here because I think his heel, ceiling is higher than uh well I mean we could probably argue this point but um I think he's a more dynamic back than Ronald Jones and mostly because I can't trust the Tampa Bay coaching staff to really turn to Ronald Jones um, as the main guy. But Darius Geis, he's only he's 32% on right now. This is, you know, maybe you won't be able to get him, but this is the last time you can get him at a small to no price. So uh, he needs to uh And Adrian Peterson has over 100 rushing yards or close to it in the last two weeks. So it's very clear that even though the Redskins offense overall has struggled, especially with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, it, the, the, offense, the offensive running game can do enough where Geis is, is at least a viable running back four or even a flex option on your team and i think that's again at 32 percent owned that needs to be closer to 45 or 46 percent in my opinion well i remember last week remember when we were doing the show and then trent williams came back to washington yeah now he's got a (laughs) two-week roster exemption because he failed a physical this is going to get this is going to probably get worse before it gets better so maybe non-football injury list uh antonio brown all over again helmet saga um you know except i'll I'll, I'll give trent williams the benefit of the doubt and call him a little bit more level-headed but anyway not to get too far off topic uh you know last week we discussed mark walton who had some you know some he was a starting running back that's that's about the only promising thing it can (laughs) say for him he was a starting Mm -hmm. running back no longer with a four-game suspension Mm -hmm. uh it's now kalen balaj because they traded away Kenyon drake Mm-hmm. And that's not an enticing prospect for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Kalen Balaj has been brutal this year. So, uh, yeah, there's a unique situation in which he's used in fantasy. He should see a pretty big snap share, but there's still not a whole lot to get excited about. I mean, his yards, not that yards per carry is a fair or good stat by any means, but he's carried the ball 35 times this year, almost matched last season's total, averaging 2.0 yards per yeah, carry. I mean, it's not uh, even like he, three three yards is the bad baseline, yeah. and he's now a yard underneath that. 3.3 yards per target? Like, <laughs> uh, not, it, even if you give him 30, 40 snaps, like, well, what are you really expecting here? You know, there's some promise at one point. Um, you know, team context certainly doesn't help, but 
but uh, yeah, the, the ceiling, it's, it's tough to pick one up. Mario and John have, for the last two or three weeks now, on the Thursday edition of the Roto-Air podcast, which is excellent in all of our podcasts on the Roto-Air network, are, are great, but they do a really good job of going in-depth on some of these players. Miles Gaskin was a name that they brought up on multiple occasions that should be playing if Mark Walton were to miss time. Well, here we go. Four-game mm-hmm. suspension. He was, I think, a seventh-round pick for the Dolphins this year, yep. but really a prominent running back for, in Washington in the last four years of his collegiate career, had over 1,300 rushing yards in three of those four seasons, had 10-plus touchdowns in each one of those years as well, too. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be interesting to see if the Dolphins really want to keep banging their head on the Bellage wall, because they've done it now for 10 weeks or nine weeks. Even when Kenyon Drake was around, they kind of tried to force that role. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear at this point that he's not the guy. Why not go and give it to a person that at least seems to be much more relevant to a running back? Uh, Gaskins had over 5.5 yards per carry, again, in college, but in three of those four seasons. And was a pretty prominent factor. Like, I, I liked him coming out of Washington. I thought he was going to be more of a relevant name. He has not played any single game for the Dolphins this year. Yeah, that's the thing. That's going to that's gonna change, though. With with Walden now suspended for four games, I—, I <laughs> Okay, so, like, I, I, I'm in four different NFFC leagues. I was really looking for roster spaces where I could have Gaskins. And with the names out there, I just couldn't do it. So— as much as I want to practice what I'm preaching, I'm not going to be out there and just spending tons of fab budget on Gaskins. If you're in a super, super deep league, and I thought the NFFC is as deep as you could get, and I'm not I'm not going there, but maybe maybe you think about it, and I wouldn't be surprised if next week we're talking about Gaskins as a guy that maybe should be picked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, we saw flashes at least in the preseason. He had a game against the Saints where he carried eight times for 48 yards, so... Might as well see what you got out of the seventh round pick to see if he's worth keeping around on that roster next year. So I definitely buy that line of uh, thinking in deeper leagues. But uh, did we skip over your boy, Joe? We did. I was I was going to say, am I allowed to stand on the mount carton and talk a little bit about Ronald Jones and how yeah, great he is? I, I, I'm going to turn this over to you. This is all you uh, <laughs> who, had, who had this situation sniffed out from week one. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, that I just had took a little while <laughs> because I they had to use Peyton Barber for so long. So uh, reports, I think, either today or yesterday, are now indicating Ronald Jones is officially. The starter, Bruce Arians, came out and said that Ronald Jones, the second-year running back from UFC, US, USC, is going to be uh, the guy running forward. He's been more consistent and more explosive. That's the quote from Bruce Arians. I'm frustrated that Bruce Arians took until week nine to acknowledge that Ronald Jones is more explosive and consistent than Peyton Barber, which we knew since two years ago. Mm-hmm. But yet here we are. So so great. We, we now have Ronald Jones, who's under 50% owned. He actually is 42% owned in Yahoo Leagues as the named starting running back. And I think you talked about Darius Geis as a guy that you'd rather have than Ronald Jones. I get it, but I I think the Buccaneers' offense is significantly more explosive. And we saw just this past week that what what it means, at least as far as red zone opportunities, Mike Evans has been a dynamo for the last two weeks. Chris Godwin's a great receiver, but there's going to be opportunities where they run the ball. Ronald Jones had 18 mm-hmm. carries for a touchdown. He also factored in a little bit receiving wise. Unfortunately, uh, they're still using Dare Gumawale as the receiving option. And as much as I love my Badgers out there, Ronald Jones should be at mm-hmm. least a bit more of a guy that's used like Saquon yeah. Barkley. I believe Dara got a touchdown last week, too. So it was otherwise, a, it was a the, junk uh, time touchdown, yeah, but it yeah. was a touchdown. Yeah, the, the, the Jones line could have looked better in that situation. But yeah, last week was the first week of the season where we saw Ronald Jones get more than 50% of the snap share. So, that, so that's significant in itself. And then, of course, uh, you know we've got the news here. He's a starting running back going forward, consistent, more explosive, like you said. Um, Peyton Barber was under, 13, under 14% of snaps. He's actually, I mean, if you haven't cut him already, obviously no, now's the time. Yep. I'd probably rather own Miles Gaskin, Miles Gaskin than Peyton Barber because at least you've got a little bit of a ceiling there. But yeah, with uh, with Jones owned at only 42%, um, 
I'm starting to go back on that guy's statement because uh, Jones, at least we know, is going to be there and he's going to be there right away. Let's take a peek at his rest of season schedule. Cardinals this week. Cardinals is Cardinals is good. Saints in week eleven. <laughs> not, that's bad. No, uh, we will not be playing yeah. Ronald Jones in week eleven. Yeah, and then I mean, then you've got uh, Atlanta and Jacksonville, which are you know twenty twentieth uh, least points and nineteenth least points allowed to opposing running backs, and you get Detroit, who's uh, pretty near the bottom there um, in week fifteen. So there's it's a decent playoff schedule. I've seen worse playoff schedules. He is dynamic. He he can catch passes, but they're not using him that way, which right. I find a little bit strange. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he's improved his stats across the board in his sophomore season, finally getting the recognition he needs. He's a he's a player with a lot of ceiling. I'm looking at the league integration features we have on Rotowire right now. He's owned across every single league that I have. It's really cool when you look at the, the player profile pages. Yeah. It'll tell you right away uh, who's owned and what team has them in case you're really in, or interested in making a trade. But anyway, not to get too far off target, I think you'll see Ronald Jones at the top of just about every waiver wire list. And uh, I would have to, I would have to agree with that. Though guys might give him a run for his money when it comes uh, to rest of season. I'll go out on a limb a little bit, and of course we we talk, and we're really interested in trying to get those guys in the playoff run, right? Derrick Henry literally won leagues last year. Christian McCaffrey certainly feels like he's the regular season winner for that award. I would not be stunned at all if Ronald Jones is one of those players that you see at the end of the year starting in 80 or 90% of the championship lineups mm-hmm. out there. And it's it not, not saying he's going to get 35 points a game like Henry was doing, mm-hmm. but what his role is in that offense and how good the offense is despite Jameis Winston's yeah. limitations, I could very well see Jones doing that, having that, mm-hmm. having that impact. I think the player that's going to actually fill that role this year, this is kind of aside from the waiver wire stuff because he's more highly owned, but the player you're going to see in a lot of fantasy championship lineups is Josh Jacobs this year. He mm. his, his usage... They seem to use him a little bit more uh, in the passing game slightly, and his schedule is so cake for the next four weeks. So, I thought you were going to say Devin Singletary. I thought that was your time to talk about Devin Singletary oh, again. Devin Singletary? I, I can give you the platform. Right, you well, let you, me talk about Ronald Jones. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just going to say that when you talk about a guy that maybe wasn't super on everybody's radar for the first 10 weeks but is going to be in a ton of championship teams, that's definitely Josh Jacobs for me because he's going to continue to eat over these next couple weeks. But it might finally be the Devil's, Devin Singletary time too. I'm excited in my two leagues that I've hung mm-hmm. on to him. Uh, one of them, my 16 team, I'm probably already out of it because I used the second round pick on Ant- Antonio Brown. Yeah. That's neither here nor there, but uh, be happy with your Singletary series too. Any other running backs we want to talk about before moving on? We should really scrape the bottom of the barrel and at least mention Trey Carson, who was the guy that drew my ire with Ty Johnson as the starting running back for the Lions last week, mm-hmm. was placed in injury reserve Saturday. The Lions worked out JHI last Friday. Obviously, they weren't going to sign Ajay after Carson got placed on an IR Saturday, but it's possible that he could join the team. Mm-hmm. Ty Johnson was ineffective. J.D. McKissick did get a touchdown of those receiving. So at least in that regard, we know that McKissick is going to be the guy that we thought he would be in terms of receiving options. They play the Bears this week. I'm not sure I want any Lions running back in my lineup regardless. Maybe Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones still stick in there by default because Stafford's just been so excellent. Mm-hmm. But it's worth monitoring, and if you have a bit of a fab budget and want to take a gamble on J.J., mm-hmm. even with all these these bye weeks going on i wouldn't i wouldn't be opposed to that mm-hmm. yeah i mean if we're gonna talk about uh miles gaskin we might as well touch on jg jd mckissick and jay Ajayi. um it's a real rough matchup this week against the bears so yeah. that so that makes it real tough but you, if you talk about guys that are going to get five ten touches a game um and maybe you hope they squeak out for one big play whether it be garbage time or whether it just be a blown assignment um you gotta have touches first to get that and these guys are at least going to get touches but uh we we jotted down a couple handcuffs on here mm-hmm. um that i think are are probably more worth the roster spot, especially if you don't need that 
starting lineup spot. You know, these are guys that like, okay, I'm I'm screwed because of bye weeks. You know, say I've got, jeez, uh, Leonard Fournette, Sony Michelle, and uh, Jordan Howard. They, those are my three running backs this right. year, and they're all gone. You know, I loaded up on the bye. Those are guys that you know, well, maybe you get five, ten touches and hope for the best, but. There are some handcuffs that could be league winners, obviously. You never root for injury, but guys like Tony Pollard, um, he looked pretty explosive in, in brief work uh, last night, or, or shifty, I think was the word that Booger used or something like that. Kevin Payne mentions this in his article on Rotowire. That's another one worth checking out. But uh, Tony Pollard is an elite handcuff, and then uh, Alexander, Alexander Madison. Madison. Yep, there you go. Oh, and I'll give you one more. Reggie Bonifin, again, we talked about Christian McCaffrey and how big of a deal he is for the Panthers. There is no second option, and we saw when Christian McCaffrey was out, the Reggie Bonifant came and had that 60-plus yard touchdown. If those guys are out there and you really are stacked and you're you're able to have the luxury of looking for roster spots, the second defense is always important, but also having some of those handcuffed guys that if an injury were to occur are huge different makers. So Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Reggie Bonifant seem like they have the, the number one lo- uh, workload locked in were injuries to occur above the guys. Yeah, and, I, and I think I put them in that exact order, too, if, yes, I, had to, if yes. I had to order them, because uh, you got the Dallas well, offensive line, and Tony Pollard actually looks looks pretty good. I um, think I would have Madison above Pollard, but both are both are like clear they need to be on my lineups if they're out there right now, and I have the luxury of doing so, mm-hmm, because yeah. they're both explosive, and you're right. I mean, the, the Cowboys offensive line and how they utilize that running back position is key, mm-hmm. but I think Madison's a player, too, and, and even if Devlin Cook were, like, it's to the point where I've, I've thought about maybe the Chase Edmonds, David Johnson thing we saw earlier. Yep. Madison and Cook can do the same type of deal if you really are pressed to find a flex option uh, in, in future weeks. Oh, yeah. If you, if you have to start both, you just want to lock down the whole team's backfield you know I've I'm haven't had to do it yet but I've you know the Chris Carson Rashad Penny deal that's uh something that True. is an option available to me on my rosters if I need need to because if something were to happen to Carson maybe Penny sneaks into that conversation a little bit I don't think he's as dynamic as those other backs and they probably go to more of a committee if something were to go to Carson but uh but, but now, Penny's an interesting name too and we haven't talked about him enough I mean the Seahawks have been weird and of course they picked mm-hmm. up Josh Gordon which Big makes time him just draft weirder. pedigree yeah yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see what the Seahawks if Carson were to go down and we know that his running style uh is conducive to injuries to the point where Penny probably is worthy of a and I'm certainly not dropping Penny in the leagues I have him either exactly. I, I think yeah. he's he's worthy holding on to as well mm-hmm. we're going to get to the receivers and tight ends in just a little bit but first a word from our sponsors at World Fantasy Pools uh already knocked out of your survivor pool yes I am this week thanks to the my Green Bay Packers uh you end up losing early in the season feeling like your success is mostly based on luck well wish there was an alternative where you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether our team wins loses or chokes like the Packers well now there is World Fantasy Pools brings you the first of its kind game type stat based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you'll use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve that stat line and you advance. Fail to do so and you're eliminated. Be the last to, sur- to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each week to receive a designated stat line to advance and win. It's just that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. That's www.worldfantasypools.com. All right, let's move to those receivers. This is actually a bit of an intriguing week. We had Adam Thielen re-aggravate his injury. We don't know his status this week. Deshaun Jackson likely out for the year after he came back and re-aggravated his injury. And then Preston Williams, who was kind of a dynamo pickup week one and kind of as been a fringy wide receiver three flex option most weeks had i think at least one touchdown if not two he's now out for the season after tearing his acl and we had ty hilton 
that was mm-hmm. injured last week too. So there's a number of names. Devontae Parker, your guy, your number one option in stake league. It feels I can't like. quit it. I can't quit it. I've you started, can't now for certain. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can't now, and I couldn't quit it before because of the Devontae Adams injury. I mean, I've... I've been lucky enough to keep myself in the stake league points <laughs> running because I'm getting a ton of random touchdowns from Devontae Parker and Cole Beasley. I think he scored a few weeks in a row because I've had to start these guys because the the situation has been a mess. You know, my Arizona backfield shares are, are completely wrecked. But uh, anyway, um, I, I like Devontae Parker. I mean, the skill set has always been there. You know, there's no question about that. It's just a matter of usage. I mean, you have a first round pick here who um, is in a contract year here looking to get attention. He's already matched his career high tackle total. The next receivers on that depth chart. Or tackle total. I was just say, total. wow. Touchdown IDP total. wise, he's great too. Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, yeah, he's got to he's got to get tackles after his quarterback <laughs> throws picks. So yeah, <laughs> he's got many opportunities for that. We have well. IDPs in stake league, but we when quarterbacks or whatever throw picks and the offensive players get tackles, we don't count those stats unfortunately. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, not to get too far off track. Yeah, the, look, looking at this depth chart, the next guys up here are Albert Wilson, Jakeen Grant, and Alan Hearns. Yeah, those guys might vulture a touchdown every once in a while, but we're going to look at we're looking at pretty tremendous volume for Devontae Parker, who has now scored. Four times in his last five weeks and three consecutive weeks of 55 receiving yards or more. That's a wide receiver three pretty much by definition. You can do blind resumes with this guy. And a lot of guys uh, would, um, a lot of people, you'd absolutely pick Devontae Parker. Uh, So he's a guy that uh, needs to be out there. Um, I got to check on his ownership real quick. I didn't quite get it at first. He is 37% owned in Yahoo League. So a little bit more than the next guy we're going to talk about, Zach Pascal, at 22%, uh, but both good options this week. Yeah, with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback, I think Devontae Parker is not necessarily a must-start, but someone you can consider each and every week, and I would not be surprised at all if you're you're kind of debating between the Terry McLaurins yeah. of the world and Devontae Parker as your last starter. Yeah, especially if you're floating around like Golden Tate and Jamison sure. Crowder and Devontae Parker. Like I've got some some rosters where that's kind of my wide receiver three, and I need to make a tough call each week. But this call's getting a lot less difficult to make. Yeah, and I think the same could probably be said for Zach Pascal. T.Y. Hilton uh, out for the next two to three weeks, if not more, with a hamstring injury. And then we had Paris Campbell also break his hand. It doesn't sound like he's done for the season, but he's effectively done for the fantasy season, maybe a return in week 16 or week 17 as a possibility. So Pascal, who's now had a touchdown, I think, in two consecutive weeks. Chester Rogers and Devin Funches. We always talk about Darius Geis as the guy that we're turning off IR. Funches is also capable of doing that and really is owned and under, I think, 15% of the leagues, at least that I last checked. These are three names that are, are worth bringing up. And you look mm-hmm. at the Colts' rest of the season schedule, at least for the ensuing three or four weeks, it's possible that they could be a pretty pass-heavy team, even with Brian Hoyer under center. Yeah. I mean, to me, Zach Pascal is the guy. He's the leading receiver for the foreseeable future. Now, he had that big game week seven against Houston, 6 for 106 and two yards. Then he got Chris Harrison, the Broncos, the next week and was shut down. But uh, in weeks eight and nine, Pascal had 92.2% of the snaps in week eight, and that's with T.Y. Hilton taking on a full workload, and then 94.4%, uh, you know, the next highest was Chester Rogers at 64.8%. So uh, the only guy I'm really interested in is probably going to be Pascal as far as someone I can pick up and start, especially with that matchup against Miami this week. Now, quarterback play, that's the only that's the big concern for me. Uh, what are we going to get out of Brian Hoyer? I mentioned my hesitancy before. I just don't think he's very good, but... Uh, 
And I'm not scared by that. That's that's my direction. Again, the the Dolphins, certainly this week, you shouldn't be scared regardless. The Jacksonville franchise presents a little bit more of a pass rushing opportunities. They play the Colts in week 11. And then likely week 12 is where maybe Brissett comes back, maybe does not. Mm -hmm. The Texans, who they play in week 12, are one of the worst in terms of pass defense and allowing points to the wide Mm -hmm. receiver spot. Yeah, and that's the same team that Pascal had his his two-touchdown game against this season. So week 12 is... uh, you know, you're, I'm fine starting Pascal in that situation with maybe a playoff spot on the line if T.Y. Hilton is out. That's, yeah. a, that, again, a wide receiver three. There's a spot for him. I, I dare I say is one of my – I think Pascal is one of my top pickups this week and who I'm spending a decent amount of fab on. Mm-hmm. I think Chester Rogers needs to be in that conversation too. And just about every NFFC league that I'm in, I'm also getting a little bit of fab budget on him as well because there's there's room for a second pass catcher from Indianapolis to be effective in a fantasy capacity. And I think Rogers fits that mold. I don't know what Devin Funches' status is. And I'm not really impressed or excited to go get a Jack Doyle who did score touchdown this week or a Eric Ebron who is been super inconsistent and bought one of the few things that us and just about every other fantasy analyst out there called as far as a regression point candidate entering mm-hmm. the season. So Rodgers is up there, but Pascal might be my number one guy if Ronald Jones is not uh, not available. Yeah, Pascal and Parker are interchangeable for the number sure. one, two uh, wide receivers. I think both of the uh, the volume the volume's great. I I never thought I'd hear myself saying this. You know, I had week nine of the NFL season, but I trust the quarterback play in Miami a little bit more than Indy for the short term. <laughs> so maybe that tips the skills. Maybe that tips the skills towards Parker a little bit but uh you put some Vikings on here too and I think that's very interesting as well with the uh with the Adam Thielen injury uh because Kirk Cousins has been playing better I mean NFC Offensive Player of the Month right right and then uh (laughs) and and, I mean he's got guys that uh beyond digs are starting to be productive in this offense yeah here's the problem though with the Vikings receivers and we'll talk about again Adam Thielen re-aggravated his hamstring injury we don't know what his status is it doesn't sound like he's going to go on IR or anything like that but he's definitely questionable and I think if you're the Vikings with playoff aspirations it might be wise to be sitting uh, your star receiver in these situations to get healthy. But their schedule is difficult. They played the Chiefs this past week. They had the Cowboys this week. And Broncos after that before their Week 12 bye. Those are three pretty difficult defenses that you'd have to be concerned with. And maybe a guy like Bissy Johnson, who stepped up at one point as the number two receiver, makes a bit of a difference. But it is worth mentoring Laquan Treadwell. And I think Liss had one of the worst dad jokes I've seen and called him Laquan Retreadwell. Uh, was the primary receiver for the Vikings this past week, let all, uh, let all receivers with receiving yards 58 and had five targets so Mm -hmm. maybe it's not time to quite quit on the 2016 first round pick in Lake Montreal yeah I mean every time he comes up I just think man I hope the Vikings just keep taking receivers with their first round picks just keep doing it keep doing it don't take defense take receivers yeah I I see where the appeal is with Treadwell but I'm not quite sold on it yet although a snap count percentage has gone up every week since week five it's still maxed out at 28.2 percent here in week nine whereas busy johnson got 83.1 percent yeah maybe treadwell still has more explosive athleticism in him i mean something must have seen something at the combine right but uh but overall i think busy johnson would be the guy to own uh and you mentioned it's it's two tough matchups than a bye week so definitely a a separation between Devontae parker and zach pascal and then then we get to busy johnson or maybe former Clemson standout, Hunter Renfro. Yeah, Hunter Renfro had a pretty good week this past week. It feels like the Raiders are getting him more involved offensively. And as someone who had a little bit of money on the line for Tyrell Williams catching more than three passes, it was infuriating to see that he had three at halftime 
and three by the end of the game. It was Hunter Renfro and Hunter Renfro almost exclusively, whether it be short bubble passes or slant plays, whatever else. And to the Raiders' credit, he did look pretty explosive in the times that he had the ball in his hands. It's it's taken a little bit while for Renfro, who a lot of people anticipated was going to be the receiver following the Antonio Brown injury, or I'm sorry, well, release injury, whatever else you want to call it. Uh, that would benefit. Saga. Yeah, I mean, it, it's taken a bit, but we're kind of seeing it unfold now. And you look at the Raiders' schedule for the next couple of weeks, it's not bad in terms of passing options out there. And I think specifically with the Chargers secondary, they're slow at running or they're slow in the linebackers and their secondary has just been depleted at safety wherever else. They're still not mm-hmm. going to have Derwin James, although he's close to returning. And I think that makes a big difference when possibly considering a Thursday night matchup. Yeah, you ready for me to come in hot with the snap counts? Uh Tyrell Williams, 81.9%. You know about what you'd expect. Uh, unfortunately for my DFS lineups, did not find the end zone. Zay Jones, 91.7% week nine. Hunter Renfro, 54.2%. Now, yeah, I, this is one of those tough situations where it's like 99% of the time I want to lean with the guy that's on the field more, but I think the plays designed for Hunter Renfro are more frequent than they are for a guy like Zay Jones. So uh, I'm going to take that stat with a grain of salt and wait until it repeats itself, and I would still obviously have some interest in Hunter Renfro as a pickup, still not really any interest in Zay Jones. Jones did make his debut this week. So this is, he had been traded midseason from the Bills to the Raiders. They had a bye week, and then this was his first game uh, playing as an Oakland Raider. It's worth pointing out that Zay Jones is kind of known as a blocker, and I think that makes a big difference. Again, I was watching uh, on my hands and knees hoping Tyrell Williams could just one more catch. That didn't occur. There was a lot of short passes, bubble screens, and just different option routes where you're taking advantage Mm -hmm. of both Tyrell Williams and Zay Jones as bigger receivers, both over six feet two, uh, that can block. And I think maybe that's the appeal that comes with Jones and why he had Mm -hmm. so much playing time. Yeah, I think if this team's going to be successful, it's going to be on the heels of of Josh. I always want to say Brandon. Dang it. <laughs> on the heels of Josh Jacobs' 100-yard games, and we're going to see a few and more Darren of those Waller. coming up. Darren, yes. You can't rule out Darren Waller, too, is now probably the top pickup that has turned uh, to be a fantasy asset, and I think a lot of people are drafting him. In the yeah, I mean, if we give away free agent awards at the end of the year, uh, which we sometimes do for Week 17, because who plays Week 17 anyway? <laughs> Darren Waller is the easy recipient of the tight end pickup of the year and possibly the overall pickup of the year. Yeah, although Darren Fells, as we transition over the tight end position for this podcast, has been a pretty relevant asset, too, in terms of pickups and it's frustrating trying to guess who's scoring touchdowns each and every week. I certainly haven't been successful, but Jake, I'll give it to you. You've been able to hit a lot of these guys now for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'll definitely admit a little bit of luck obviously comes into play when we're talking about, you know, 33-year-old blockers that are suddenly red zone threats. Uh, but Darren Fells, man, 6'7", 270. Even line, I mean, if linebackers could match that, they, they can't cover him. He's just a tough tough dude to cover now three touchdowns in his last couple weeks uh following that up but you know he has good matchups against the Chiefs and the Colts where he he doesn't get a touchdown was better in the yards and then uh, of course one catch one yard (laughs) one touchdown here against the Jags the Jags week nine now it's gonna be real tough to hang on to him through the bye week but uh you know he's a top 10 tight end he's a top 10 scoring tight end and in this tight end scoring market in this tight end market this year that i guess that's the point i'm trying to make can you really drop a guy like that you know he's a guy that uh, uh yeah obviously he's touched on dependent and you're gonna have to have some luck with the pendulum swinging in your favor but there are there, there are not you know eight starting tight ends that i could say with 100 percent confidence will outscore him on a week-to-week basis at this point though i think i might put mike jacecki as a guy that i would rather have at the tight end spot if only because we know the volume is going to be there especially with preston williams now out mm-hmm. this was his first breakout game and we had talked earlier about mike jacecki is really a guy that you could maybe roll a dice on very low free agent budgets and certainly not one that you want to waste a high white waiver wire priority claim on 
Well, here we are at the tight end position where there's maybe five, six, seven guys, specifically in week 10, there might be even less with all the bye weeks, that you'd feel comfortable using, especially with George Kittle also maybe inactive or we have to worry about his knee injury. Mm-hmm. I like Jacecki, and maybe he's a top three pickup for me this week. I'm putting a decent amount of my free agent budget that's left on him, and I think with Preston Williams out, there's going to be at least two Dolphins that will be relevant pass catchers each and every week, whether it be Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant. We talked about Devontae Parker as the number one A option. I think Jacecki's made a case that he could be the number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this this team, Fitzpatrick, knows how to use the tight ends. We saw it last year in Tampa Bay with both Braid and O.J. Howard getting getting good work, and that was the kind of the lead-up to a lot of people thinking O.J. Howard could break up. But, uh, but yeah, the, the Colts are a good matchup for opposing tight ends. Jacecki's only, still only 5% owned in Yahoo leagues. Uh, the other guy I wanted to throw out next to Jacecki was Noah Fanta. I mean, his... His breakout came this week, three catches for 115 yards. Um, last week, it wasn't quite there despite eight targets. Of course, we've got the quarterback situation, and Fant is coming up on a bye week. So if you need someone immediately, Jacecki is probably your guy. It tightens up, though, if we start to think about rest-of-season production. Yeah, the reason I, I had Jacecki ahead of Fant was because of the bye week. And frankly, if you watch the, the Broncos game against the Browns, and I hope not many of you had to do that, Fant had a 75-yard touchdown. It was entirely because of horrible tackling and, frankly, effort-related tackling yep. from the Browns. It wasn't Fair. like a athletic play that Fanted as – I mean, he ran really fast, and he made good catch I mean, and whatever he's, else. He's probably faster than your average tight end. No, no, no. He absolutely he has above-average speed. And that's so if you, why, get him, you get him on a slanter and a seam or something with a mismatch against a smaller guy, there's, there's something there. There's not going to be many teams that tackle as poorly as the Browns did on that specific play. And here's a guy – and I, I have Fant – on most of my really deep rosters as somebody that for exa- for exactly this example where he has the athleticism and potential to break off a long touchdown if I had to throw a tight end in there. But I just don't know if you're going to really be able to replicate that each and every week. And mm-hmm. again, Jacecki is just as fast, if not faster than Noah Fant that we saw in the 40 time when he was drafted two years ago. So both of them are, are I think, close option-wise. And I will bring up Irv Smith once again if Adam Thielen is out. It's getting to the point where if you watch Irv Smith, I know he hasn't had a really big breakout box score. And Kyle Rudolph is there to kind of get in the way. He's a player, and I don't I don't know why the Vikings decide to re-sign Kyle Rudolph to an extended deal. But if I'm in a dynasty league or a keeper format and Irv Smith is out there for a cheaper bit of options, I'm going to get every bit of share I can for him because he's, he's just a difference maker when he's on the field. Yeah, I mean, he definitely uh, kind of slipped my mind. You know, second-round pick out of Alabama, someone who I didn't necessarily think of going into this show here. And the, uh, you know, the production's been limited this 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 year so far. But, you know, he's gotten enough experience where I could see him turning into something in the future. He sure. could be a blocker. He can be a receiver. Mm-hmm. And he looks like one of those guys, kind of like Travis Kelsey, when he's in the slot, you don't realize he's a tight end. And he's very quick mm-hmm. and agile and has good route running. I, I'm, I'm in love with him. 242. I yeah, I mean, you know, we're looking at decent combine numbers here. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, sure. I guess I, I can I can get that. I mean, he ran a 4.63 at the combine for a tight end. That's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I don't look too far into the other jumps. But the, the 40 dash time, which is probably the most important, that was pretty elite. So, I'll, yeah, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. As some, I, don't, I just don't know... If if you can count on him a ton this year because of how much they, you know, they're they're attached to Kyle Rudolph, and he might be the last one I look at out of these options that uh, we discussed so far. But he's still a name I type in in the right scenario. In the PPR league, he maybe gets you four to eight points per week in a tight end right now with how bad it's been. And guessing on touchdowns can be one way, but I would rather go with the guy that can maybe get me those X amount of points and if not more. So mm-hmm. let's move over to the defenses real quick. And Frank.
frankly, Jake, I've had a hard time figuring out which defense I want to pick up as a guy that generally is streaming quite a bit. We have a lot of options. We have the Giants against the Jets. We have the Jets against the Giants. Mm -hmm. We also have the Colts going against the Dolphins. Frankly, with the third-string quarterback for the Colts, you could maybe talk me into the Dolphins side of things against the Colts as well, too. Also Mm -hmm. missing T.Y. Hilton. It's tough. Uh, if you are trying to figure out which one to go out with. And I, I'm curious, what, what's your direction right now in terms of picking up defenses? Yeah, this has been really tough for me. Um, I guess I'm, I, I'm leaning uh, I'm leaning the Giants, I think, against Sam Darnold. Apparently, he's still seeing ghosts. He, he, he tried to shuffle that pass. He, he shot put that one pass. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, I'm really trying to stick up for Sam, Sam Darnold in fantasy because of his rest of season schedule and some of the weapons around him on that offense. But he's making that harder and harder and harder to do every single week so I think the Giants while they'll probably give up some touchdowns against Sam Darnold um, I think that they're probably the low owned option to go with this week although I don't feel uh, yeah I just don't feel super super great about it but man it's just yeah the matchups uh, I'll give you another name that at least I'm looking at and is kind of by default by my top pickup I don't feel great about how about Detroit going against your Mitchell Trubisky Bears like I there isn't a defense that I would not consider against the Bears at this point, just how bad they've looked. And if you can't pass the ball at all, I know David Montgomery had two touchdowns last week and got one yard one, so there's at least some value in the running game. But they can't pass whatsoever. Allen Robinson, a great matchup against the Eagles secondary, had just one catch. There's, know, there's, no, there's no way that you shouldn't be considering a defense, even as bad as the Lions have been and banged up, certainly mm-hmm. injury-wise in the secondary, that you can just rule one of those teams out. Yeah, especially with Darius Slay coming back here for uh, for the Lions. He's someone that doesn't have an injury tag anymore, and he's been, um, you know, he's far from the, the elite tier of shutdown corners, but he plays a very, very important role in that defense. And uh, and with him back, I think they become formidable. And, and yeah, I guess, you know, I'll finally concede that uh, Trubisky's probably wanted to target at this point because uh, I, I just I just don't see that relationship uh, between him and Nagy and, and the Bears organization. One of those two is going to be out pretty soon. Yeah, and I don't know if Baltimore's available in most formats anymore. You wouldn't have imagined you'd use him against the Patriots, but they do get the matchup against Ryan Finley, the rookie quarterback here for the Bengals that's now taking over for Andy Dalton. I was all in on the Browns going against Brandon Allen and the Broncos last week. That didn't really work for me for the most part, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little hesitant for a Baltimore franchise that at least this year, hasn't been excellent in terms of defense, but they just know how to win. And I think having defensive guys and Marlon Humphreys, of course, had that return touchdown, really mm-hmm. swung the momentum in tonight's contest against the Patriots. They can make plays. And you've kind of seen the last two weeks that the Ravens secondary in particular, while they allow some big plays, they make big plays too. And I don't mind targeting that kind of defense mm-hmm. against a rookie quarterback. Like yeah, Finley. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's someone that you have to uh, consider. Actually, men, I just missed them because they're only 49% owned. I okay. think everybody dropped go. them. I think everybody dropped them before the uh, Patriots situation, knowing that that probably wasn't going to go well. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm officially making my waiver claim for Baltimore right now because I just think it's not going to be a fun day if you're a Bengals fan. Whether it no be this day week, is a fun day if you're a Bengals whether fan. Whether it be this week or the rest of the season. I know <laughs> Jeff and Chris have done a lot of uh, who's the worst team in the league poll type situations earlier, and after Miami got that win, it looks like uh, Cincinnati is probably pulling away to win that. So uh, uh, it's a pretty compelling race mm-hmm. between the Dolphins, Bengals, and Jets. I think mm-hmm. you could make a, a very reasonable case for every one of them. And at least in this week, I think Baltimore has a really good opportunity mm-hmm. to take advantage of a rookie quarterback yeah. and have a pass rush that has at least some floor in terms of sacks. Yeah, absolutely. So as we speak right now, I am uh, picking up the Ravens, dropping the Browns, and putting 
two fab dollars on the Ravens. <laughs> two fab I'm dollars. That's to... more than I'd ever do for a defense, but I want to make sure I get them this week because otherwise I'm look I'm picking between that other pile of turds right. in the in the on the on the claim, and I don't I don't want to have to worry about that. So I'm not quitting the Browns though against Josh Allen. That's that's all I'll say. That the Bills have been turnover prone. We talked about Daniel Jones and Josh Allen, who has more turnovers the rest of the season. I'm not ruling the Browns out yet, but that was a pretty poor display against what I thought was a great matchup. And if you have the benefit of the doubt, or you're I'm sorry, if you have better options like the Ravens or Lions out there, and I think most people do at least for the Lions, you might as well roll that direction over the Browns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can buy that for sure. Um, before we wrap up here. Can I do my quick plug? Yeah, absolutely. Jim. Yeah. All right. So uh, college basketball season tonight. We've got uh, Champions Classic. I mean, uh, Kansas and Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, Wisconsin and St. Mary's. You know, <laughs> we just got we got a loaded slate and uh, we're taking care of you again this year uh, at RotoWire in terms of any of your DFS and season long leagues. I'm doing rankings. I've got a free DFS preview on the site for tonight to check out. Uh, definitely check out our lineup optimizer, all our stuff. Uh, just like with the um, just like with the trial we normally do, RotoWire.com slash pod. That's RotoWire.com slash pod for 10 days. No strings attached. Uh, I'll, I'll even let you uh, take a second free trial if you mention me or your username on Twitter. I'll, I'll help you out to give that stuff a, a check. So uh, if you're a basketballer or if you're an all-sports subscriber, you can definitely uh, check out our DFS tools. I think we offer very, very competitive pricing compared to some of these other things that are out there that are, you know, we're you know 10 bucks a month compared to 300 bucks for a season from other people that you see around so uh there's a lot going on there and a lot of reasons to check out that part of the site that's something that i manage personally and, and have a big stake in here so i'd appreciate if you guys could uh check that out and uh definitely shoot any feedback my way on twitter you can get at me at roto jake uh, but that's it for my plug thanks joe oh yeah good job and uh, we'll be back again next week until then best of luck to your fantasy liners Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.